Oftentimes, it's generally women who are seeing a drastic change. Post-COVID, it's really been a huge issue. One of the first treatments that we started doing for thinning hair was, was PRP or, or plasma treatments. There's also what you're doing with your hair on the outside as well because it's not getting any nutrients other than when it's in the scalp. PRP, light therapies, all those are going to be more effective if you've addressed the underlying causes first. I predict that we'll be seeing a lot more of this over the next couple of years than even what we've seen in the past. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Beauty in the Brain, the podcast where we discuss all things aesthetics. I'm your co-host, Dr. Chris Crowley. And I'm Jerry Drinkard, family nurse practitioner, and together Chris and I own Skin and Tonic, a med spa located in Pace, Florida. Today we're talking about like a really exciting, very common topic that we have with a lot of our patients that are asked about pretty much all things related to hair and hair growth. You know, I think it's really important, and especially for our female clientele, that a lot of times their hair is kind of their crown. And so, you know, changes to hair is really important. It can hit people like right at the heart. So we have somebody here today that is with us that is a hair expert, a local makeup artist, a local hairstylist, a great friend of ours, a great client of ours. And we have Miss Tanya Erickson here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank, Thank you for, for coming. Being, yeah. You wanna tell us a little about yourself before we get started? Sure, I'm actually from up north in Minnesota. Um, I've been down here since 2017, and um, I currently work at the Hairloft in Pace. Um, we're just down the street from you. So I've been working in this industry pretty much my entire adult life, and um, love everything about it. So. Well, I know we're really excited, so thank you for taking time to come and be with us today. Certainly, this is one of the areas that we have been asked about, and we have patients uh, inquire about it probably from the time we started our practice. We started doing probably PRP for our hair maybe 12 years ago. We were trying to think earlier when it actually started. And um, even at that point, I don't think we had a full understanding of the hair growth cycles and hair loss and what all could impact uh, you know, thinning hair. But we knew it was something that our clients ask about all the time. And, and so it was something that made us look a little bit more into it. And obviously over the years that we've been doing it, we've learned a lot more about it, but we've also learned to, to lean heavily on our experts in the area because this is kind of what you deal with every day. And uh, you know, while we have a few tricks up our sleeves that we can do with injectables, I think that some of the, the issues around uh, hair loss, scalp health, hair care starts way before they get to us. It's gonna start you know, with, with you guys or whoever mm -hmm. is seeing them first. So what are some of the common things that, that you see that people complain about in your chair before they ever get referred to someone like us? The first thing that they always talk about is breakage or my hair doesn't seem to be growing and I'm like, you have roots. You're here doing your color, you have roots. That means your hair is growing. So there are so many things that impact hair growth, breakage. It can be um, physical tension on the hair. It can be hormonal. It can be chemical use. It can be over chemical use. It can be just being too rough. Um, there are so many things that, that tie into it, medical conditions. There's just a multitude of different factors that uh, play into it. But one of the, the common things is people don't understand that when they're shedding their hair, that that's cellular growth. And the cellular growth is a constant thing that is, that's happening in the body all the time. 
that's affected by viruses, colds, um, hormones, pregnancy, any of those kinds of things. Yeah, it's one of the things I think that um, we have a lot of trouble getting, uh, you know, maybe the message to patients that, that some of that's normal. But it's interesting because we always have people wanting to remove hair in places where they don't want it and grow it where they don't have it. It's like always we're, we're chasing that. But with the devices that we have to remove hair are the things that we're using to stimulate hair growth because this is cyclical and there are a lot of things that will impact it. Um, you know, try to get through to them that it's not an instant fix. Almost none of this is quick with hair. It's something that's going to take us a while to, to see results. I think what you mentioned with like stress and, you know, hormones and, and all those things that can impact and lead to some temporary shedding, that stresses people out a lot. So when they start seeing more hair in the sink and <laughs> they're thinking, oh my God, I'm going bald. We, we, we have somebody tells us almost. <laughs> almost every day we have, we have questions. And, you know, you, you mentioned viruses and so post-COVID, it's really been a huge issue. We have an infusion clinic at Skin and Tonic, and so we offer biotin infusions, and we saw a huge influx of patients afterwards. Some would say they were shedding because of the virus. We had others that um, said they were shedding because of the vaccine, and then some were shedding because they were stressed about the virus or the vaccine. And so there's so many external factors that can impact hair. You know, the sun exposure, chlorine exposure, salt water, we're right here on the coast. and you mentioned, you know, genetics even plays a part in it, you know, the hair patterns. And so there's so many things that go into healthy hair. And so I think that um, that one of the things to look at is how do you establish healthy hair before it does turn bad? Do you have things that you recommend to your, your clients? Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I think you hit it right on the head is that there are so many things that affect it, you know, at a cellular level, you know, you get sick your blood cells are affected by that. And then it takes time for them to recuperate. It's the same thing with your hair. Your body doesn't distinguish what type of cells it's gonna kill off when you get a virus, much like COVID. So people talk about COVID hair loss, and yes, there's a cellular change and your body sheds cells and then it takes time to restart. So when the hair is growing underneath the follicle, underneath the scalp, it takes 90 days for just the follicle to form for a little tiny hair to sprout up, assuming that that follicle isn't in a dormancy stage. So then comes above the surface, your hair grows about a centimeter a month. And that's assuming all the conditions are right. So what I always suggest to people is basic nutrition, your vitamins, your minerals, but then there's also what you're doing with your hair on the outside as well, because it's not getting any nutrients other than when it's in the scalp. So, you know, using the best hair products, vitamins, minerals, and a good diet, of course, are like the basics. Are you seeing more um, people complain about this in your salon with all of the weight loss craze that we have yes. right now? 100%. I had a, actually a friend and client was in my chair this morning. She's lost 80 pounds over five years and um, didn't have surgery or anything like that. But she also believes she might have PCOS, which is a hormonal deficiency that women can struggle with um, that impacts infertility and skin and um, hair growth in, of course, like places you don't want it and yeah. then thins on top. She has had a, a big frustration with that. You know, just trying to get um, her hair to kind of come back after weight loss has been really trying for her. She has a lot of areas where it's like very short, um, areas where it's broken off. And of course she bleaches and it goes in the sun and so that impacts it as well. Well, you know, we saw it with, um 
or have seen it for years in our um, our patients that have had sleeves and bypasses, and but that was a lot less common than what we're seeing right now. This the new you know diet medications that are on the market are so accessible to people, and so we're seeing just tons of it. And and you nailed it when you said that you know diet because if you don't have enough protein in your diet, then your hair is not going to grow, your nails are not going to grow. I predict that we'll be seeing a lot more of this over the next couple of years than even what we've seen in the past. So what is your kind of approach to thinning hair when somebody uh, complains about that? I mean, the first thing I'm going to do is direct them to their doctor because there's, you know, basic medical panels that are done. But oftentimes it's generally women who are seeing a drastic change. And I'll ask them, you know, have you been sick? Have you had COVID? Did you have the COVID vaccine? Have you had a baby? Are you nursing a baby? All of those things impact your hormone levels. It impacts your hair growth. The one thing that people forget is your hair, skin, and nails, when it comes to cellular development, are probably the last thing that your body's gonna fuel. If you're growing a baby, our bodies know that that's where everything needs to go. So your hair is not gonna look its best. It's not gonna grow at the same rate. But what are you doing different when you're pregnant? You're eating better, you're taking a vitamin, you're probably drinking water, or at least making an attempt to. And so when you're doing those things, they notice, oh, you're glowing. You know, that's one of the things they say to women is, you're, you're pregnant, you're glowing. Well, yeah, because you're eating and making an attempt to, to have your best health, you know, and those are so, so important. Usually, what, three to six months after they've had the baby, they go through this shedding phase, and it's, like you said, reflective of really what's going on at that cellular level at certain times. And when they undergo that stress of delivery, and then they start putting all of their, you know, energy into, into making milk if they're going to breastfeed and stuff. It just drains a lot from the body. Down to nutrition is minimized. But I love kind of the first thing you said is like, you know, just some very basic workup, basic labs, because I think that, that we do see all these trends and we can make educated guesses based on kind of uh, history, what stage they are in life. Has there been anything stressful going on? Is it a time that we expect hormonal changes or not? All of those things are educated guesses. That was one of the things that I, I believe that we probably didn't do a good job on 12 years ago, and I, I hope that we do a better job of now, is really looking into those causes. Because one of the first treatments that we started doing for thinning hair was, was PRP or, or plasma treatments, and it's really low risk. Basically going to be no risk of making it worse, but it may not make it better. And so I think by that approach, we weren't really putting patients at risk of harming them in any way but it may be unnecessary money spent if they're not, if there's some other medical problem that hasn't been addressed first. If it truly is just something like stress um, after, you know, post-virus or post-pregnancy or car wreck or, you know, stressful event, loss of a loved one, then the PRP will help it grow faster. It'll help move those out of that dormant phase, maybe more into the active growing phase. But we didn't do a great job because we just put it in and kind of see what happened. And so I think that that misses exactly what you said that you've been doing all along is look at some of the basic stuff first, because there could be some deficiencies that you can pick up on and it will make any treatment that you do, whether it's a topical treatment, an injectable treatment, PRP, light therapies, all those are going to be more effective if you've addressed the underlying causes first. 
Agreed. You know, those are some of the things that are overlooked by people because, you know, thyroid disorders, I mean, there's a million medical conditions that can, can impact it. And perimenopausal, postmenopausal women are notorious for hair changes. And like one of the common things I hear is that it feels different when I wash my hair. I can tell I don't have as much hair or my ponytail's not as thick as it was. I mean, how many times do we hear that? So we are frequently asked about it, you know, what can we do? And so in the clinic, we have like Chris said that we have a few things that that we do offer and uh, all of that revolves around stimulation of that follicle to to grow more we do the PRP like he's just talking about we do PDO threading in the scalp as well you can do microneedling in the scalp and so all of these things like stimulate blood flow in that area because it that you have to do something to get it going again we had the light therapies at one point which I still think some of the LED light therapies I don't know if you're very familiar with those or not for us we didn't like it because of the retail component so when they broke and people trying to return them or the lights not working so now you know we just refer them to order from the company directly. So I don't know if you carry anything like that. We personally don't carry anything like that. Um, I've heard kind of the same thing as what you're saying. It's kind of a mixed bag on on how effective it is and, and things like that. But one of the biggest things that I always refer um, them to with the doctor is when they do their basic medical stuff, they're, they're not digging deep, like particularly into thyroid. Thyroid seems to be a huge thing. And the other thing that I'm noticing too is a lot of women that are struggling with the hair loss, they're, they have elevated testosterone levels. That is from PCOS and from perimenopausal and things like that, that are affecting that hair growth pattern. So there are some topical things that can be done that are you know, in conjunction with the services that you have that will make those, those follicles really begin to grow again. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I, and again, I don't know how much of this you see, it just triggered when you were talking about that, but we've had a handful um, of people recently, five or six, um, pretty close together. It, it seems like hormone optimization, hormone replacement therapy, it's really popular right now, more than it was. I mean, it's kind of frowned upon for many years. Now it seems to be a little more accepted and more people are, are seeking this. But we actually have a couple of patients who went to someone for hormone optimization, specifically because of hair thinning and hair loss. But almost always part of what they're doing is, uh, for a lot of these women, they're putting them on some amount of testosterone as well. And in several of these cases, when they got their levels checked, they were actually pretty high, <laughs> surprisingly high. Yeah. And they said their hairs got worse since they've been on it, when that was the whole reason that they were going. And they feel better from other reasons. I'm not, I'm not at all knocking hormone optimization, but it's one of those things where I do think you have to make sure you have a really um, you know, thorough discussion with your provider on what your goals are. And when things aren't working out, go back to them and say, this is not working. Actually, the reason I come to you is worse. So. And know that that elevated testosterone level that makes you feel good, gives you energy, gives you clarity, makes you want to have sex, all of those things, it's also going to cause you to have a different hair texture <laughs> and thinner hair. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like a catch-22, like, like, you know. Yeah, so for the guys for, that, that go through it and have the, like, typical male pattern baldness from high testosterone, it's like when they go on the medications that block that formation of the DHT or the dihydrotestosterone, it's like that may then impact their sexual performance. It may impact their muscle development. So it's right. fortunately now we do have some topicals that are pretty good with finasteride in it. Um, I don't know, are there any over-the-counter topicals that deal with that? Well, there's two specific brands that I know, but it's Xenogen and Nioxin. 
Um, and of course, there's the ones that you can buy like at the supermarket or whatever. But um, those two are focused specifically for men and specifically for women. So there's two different formulas. But before I'll even really address it with my clients, I tell them they've got to go get like a baseline set of labs and stuff because and and the problem too is again they don't dig deep enough into what is the actual testosterone level and what is your t3 you know not just the basic thyroid and things like that so i'm getting like a little bit of medical training and i don't i've never worked in that field but i'm learning about those things because it all ties into how we go go about treating with the right product and then you know sending them to my friends sure the products aren't cheap no they're and, not you know that's what I, I now know and that we we really try to like tell people it's not that i can't take your money i can give you this i don't think it's going to hurt just like i'm sure the products that you're mentioning probably but if it's not addressing the root cause or if that's not the reason they're just going to spend a lot of money and not get and a they're not going to get the the results that they're looking for but oftentimes you know the sources you offer and then the things that i can do when we work together can really help make a big difference in in the results that they receive and in the timing that they want. You know, the, the big thing is, is that at a, at a follicle level or at a cellular level, it's a minimum of 90 days. So you're really looking at like six months before you see any actual hair growth changes. You have to be pretty committed to something for six months. So it's if you can get the best of both worlds from the aesthetic side and then from the hair care side, you're getting optimum results. And it's not cheap. No, it's I mean, not. that's the thing is all of, you know, a, a quality hair product is not cheap. The the medications, I was just looking recently in the, um, I was in Publix, I think is where it was in the, um, what's the, Rogaine was in there and I was shocked at how much it was. I was like, jeez. Yeah. I was looking for Chris. He's thinning. <laughs> um, I am thinning, actually. I was trying to grow it out. Some of you saw probably some posts of mine I'm recently. picking. <laughs> I had, well, no. I mean, he knows that he, he's, he's stabbing it in and digging it. But I was letting my hair grow out because I hated how thin it was on the sides. And you could see it when it was cut short. It looked worse growing out. So I just said, well, I'll deal with the thinning. But it's, it is one of those things, you know, that a lot of people deal with. It's an interesting stat that um, I read somewhere. But I don't know if, if you agree with this or if this is what you see. But um, I've heard that up to 50% of your hair can be gone before people actually even realize that it's thinning. So by the time they complain to you or to me or to anyone, they've already lost a fairly significant amount. Well, and it can happen so fast. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing is it can happen so fast. So the, the first thing I usually say to my female clients is, does it feel different or does it look different? And if they say it looks different, then I talk about what are we doing different? And oftentimes the lighter their hair is, and I do more blondes than, than anything else. I do more color corrections and bleaching um, and, you know, just overall lightening of hair. I do a lot of um, gray blending. And oftentimes when they say it looks different, it's light reflection. So you have light hair. Mm. You're seeing a lot of light reflection. Is it really thinning? It might not be. It may be that the way that the light reflects and then reflects out, it appears to be thinner than it actually is. So my question to you is, you keep it so short, does it feel different or does it look different? It looks different. Does it? Yeah. But it's mostly, you know, for me, it's mostly because I do a lot of teaching and I'm in front of people a lot. And when I see photos, I see more of my scalp with it cut short than I ever did at any point on the sides. And um, so when I let it grow longer, obviously it, it did reflect different, but it, I just didn't like the style. So it's, it's for sure, um, you know, thinner than it was a few years ago, but not enough that it 
it's bothering me enough to get injections or anything at this point. No, I but think I you did, both, both of you have fabulous hair. It takes Thank a you. lot for Chris to get injections. <laughs> but uh, we, we were talking before we went um, on, on camera today about um, this naturopathic physician that, that I really, um, you know, know and, and respect. He, he does a great job. Uh, it's Dr. Stephen Soar. And um, enough that I talked to him about it because I'm like, you know, I want to go over some of my, I'm, I, I went and just did a, a virtual consult because I think he's a brilliant guy. And I was like, I want to talk about more natural ways before we just jumped injections. And, um, you know, he did a great job of recommending um, even some, some different labs than I had thought about than we even do, uh, not just for this, but just for overall health. And so, I, you know, I, I think it gets back to what is the, what is the root cause? Is it just my age? Is it, you know, hormonal or what's going on that makes it a little bit different now than before? Um, and then looking at how do we fix it from the inside out? So are there any uh, oral supplements that, that you recommend or just a good multivitamin? I, I mean, especially for my females, I always say the prenatal vitamin. It's going to have more of those nutritional needs for cellular development because it's for the purpose of supporting a pregnancy. And that's what what's a baby doing? They're cellularly developing to 40 weeks. So I always say, go back to the basics, get a prenatal vitamin because you're going to get more of that benefit at a cellular level without being drained of it like you are during a pregnancy. And again, just go back to your doctor. What tips do you have for us on just healthy scalp and hair care in general. Oh, you're gonna love this. <laughs> this is very exciting. <laughs> okay, so for whatever reason, I don't know who came up with this idea, but there's this idea that dry shampoo is good to just spray all over your hair. No, no, please stop doing that. We need to wash our hair. What happens if you don't wash your face for seven days and we just keep putting makeup on it? It looks pretty chunky. I mean, this sounds really probably ignorant on my behalf, but I, I truly thought dry shampoo was only for like nursing homes or hospitals, like where we couldn't physically get patients. Well, truthfully, dry shampoo is a texture product. Who in our industry named, I'd like to know, who named dry shampoo, dry shampoo, because I have a bone to pick with you. <laughs> I'm not here for that. I don't like that idea, but it doesn't clean anything. It's for texture. Like you put it in to rough up your hair. I have incredibly fine hair, so I would use dry shampoo to like give me some volume. But there's this myth that if you don't wash your hair, you just spray dry shampoo in it and it'll buy you some time. That's true. But let's just go back to COVID. You're walking through the supermarket, okay? Somebody is 10 feet in front of you coughing and you don't know that they're coughing and they have whatever bug, whatever they have. And you just walked through all of that bacteria. And then we're gonna go lay down on our pillows and mash it into our face all night long. And then spend another three, four, five, six days not washing our hair. From a hygienic standpoint, not a good plan. But when we're talking about nutrition, if you're using good hair products, you're, that's the external vitamin for your hair, the external minerals, the external moisture. Dry shampoo isn't doing anything but buying you time and you're, you need the air on your scalp to stimulate that growth. That's what amazes me. We just had this conversation in the clinic yesterday and, um, and I had a patient that uses dry shampoo a, a lot and her scalp, there's no way that her scalp could be healthy with that much buildup from no. the shampoo. And the, that's, that's one of those things because she's 100% doing it to preserve her hair. 
you know, it's a, she thinks she's doing all the right things. And so it's real interesting to hear. And we see it a lot of times in our, our business because people, they don't do things to harm themselves in, intentionally. Most people don't. And they're trying to do things to look better, feel better, you know. And so when I, I saw her in particular, and I even mentioned this to Sierra yesterday, I was just shocked because I mentioned it to her. I said, your scalp is really dry. And she said it was dry shampoo. Well, and that's the thing too, is it's exfoliation. Just like you wash your face, you know what, again, talking about cellular level, like your cells are constantly renewing. So they need to be exfoliated off your scalp. I tell my clients that come in and say, you know, my scalp is flaking or it's really dry. And I say, how often are you washing your hair? I would say nine out of 10 times, they're saying once or twice a week. I said, do me a favor, take 30 days, wash your hair every single day for 30 days. They come back with 100% clear scalp. It's because it's a cellular thing. They're trying to slough off that skin and it's not getting the air that it needs to continue to slough off, just like a baby with cradle cap. What do we do? We moisturize it and you exfoliate it off and that gets rid of that flakiness. Can you imagine having a dry face wash? Mm -mm. <laughs> I don't even suggest that. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> so how often do you recommend daily washing of hair? I wash my hair every single day. Hmm. And, and the thing is, when you're using good products, that's a perfectly acceptable thing to be doing. Do you have to wash it every single day? No, I mean, I do because I put different things in it and um, I want the nutritional benefits of it for my hair. But it's just like if you take a vitamin, do you take it once a week, twice a week, or every day? If you're yeah, using the right it, products. And we recommend, like we're talking about skincare and face care and all that, we, you know. Morning and night, probably. Exactly, twice a day. And so we're washing our face and then we're putting. The product. Absolutely, and that's why I say if you're using, you know, good products that have nutritional value in them, but if you're using $2 shampoo, how much science and nutrients are in that shampoo? Probably not a lot. If it's something you see on a commercial and it's $5 at Target, how much, how much science is in it? Yeah. You know, it's probably a lot of fragrance and rubbing alcohol. We love a good smelling shampoo though. I mean, I'm, I'm not hating on a good smelling shampoo, but, but you can have good smelling and absolutely. You can have the best of both worlds. Yes, definitely. So you had some questions for us, myths for us. No, she was going to tell us myths, not cut. I hope not questions. Is it questions? Is it a pop? No, no, it's not a pop I quiz. Like, oh. I guess one of the myths was, is that for whatever reason on social media platforms, like TikTok, Instagram, things like that, there is this idea that you know, you don't, you shouldn't wash your hair every day. Totally false. It's not going to dry out your hair if you're using those good products. I love that. Like, let's, let's <laughs> highlight that one. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Put it in the description, Sierra. <laughs> yes. Wash your hair every day. So uh, another thing that it's trendy right now, and I don't know if it's a myth or not, is uh, the silk bonnet, silk pillowcases, things that cover your hair when you sleep. Is that something you find beneficial? Um, no, I, I don't see a, a long-term benefit for it. Is it harmful? Definitely not. I mean, something that's softer with less friction is always good. Um, the biggest thing that I always suggest is don't secure your hair tightly because it's that constant friction on it. You know, you'll see people that work out a lot. They'll come in and you can tell where, their pony, where they put their ponytail because there will be an area where it's shorter and it's kind of consistent in length. And it's that constant friction from the ponytail holder being so tightly secured around their hair. So if you're going to do something like that and you want it, you know, off your neck or off your face, I would always say, you know, let's go back to the nineties and get a scrunchie 
and you know move it around so it's it's off your face but it's not secured so tightly that it's just putting constant friction and, and causing breakage. A color done by a professional appropriately, will that increase hair loss? I don't believe that it does, no. I mean, there's there's no there's no study that I've ever seen that so would So if you're not burning that. the hair, I guess is my point, then it's not, the color itself is not necessarily gonna, it, it's only when you're applying too much too frequently or not in a professional, so by getting something doing it themselves. Right. But they're actually burning it then. Not. I've always heard that bleaching hair was like really bad for it. But hindsight, I think a lot of that was probably because like my mom, I remember her and her friends sitting around the living room pulling their hair through frosting caps and whatever and having cocktails. So they probably were frying their hair and frying. They were fried. <laughs> well, and it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I do a lot of blondes and I do a lot of color corrections. And, you know, one of the biggest complaints that I get with blondes that come to me is that they feel like they're very brassy or very yellow or very orange. And I talked to them about a couple of different things. The first thing is, is that when you cover gray hair, you use a higher level uh, peroxide. And if somebody has relatively light hair to start with, I start with a very low level. You can get the same effect, even with somebody with dark hair, by using a lower level and letting the bleach sit longer. So you're doing a slow and steady lifting instead of just blasting that follicle and that cuticle wide open to pull all the color out. And that's how you end up with people who have different colors of blonde and they'll come to me and some of it's like very yellow, very orange. If you just go low and slow, slow and steady always win wins the race. You know, you don't run a marathon and just take off. So that's what I always kind of explain is you can actually get blonde with a lower level peroxide than you would applying somebody that's 100% gray and, and doing color. So it is, it is kind of one of those myths, but again, it's that proper care and, you know, doing it in a slow and steady manner. And, and going a to a professional. Yeah, both of us going to a professional, right? I mean, Agreed. if someone knows how, what they're doing, then, I mean, that's, that's why we pay you guys. I mean, I have a, a client, she's half Korean and half uh, Caucasian. She's got very dark, typical Asian type hair. And I get her as blonde as me every sitting. So, I mean, you can do it. Um, one of the other things when it comes to like brass and things like that is just, again, that proper hair care at home, using a clarifying shampoo, using purple shampoos, conditioning, porosity of the hair, all of those things all impact how color is gonna work, the health of the hair, how it feels, how it looks, how it behaves. I think is a myth, but I wanna get your take on it and we'll see if we agree or not. So I've um, heard and had people tell me that they, when they start thinning their hair, they want to shave it off because they think it'll grow back thicker. It makes zero sense to me. Complete myth. Complete, yeah, okay, good. We agree then, because I'm like, that makes zero sense to me. Like follicles are follicles. You, you're born with however many follicles you have, and it's the, the things going on on the inside of the body and the hair cycle at a cellular level that are going to impact the thickness. So I'll just tell you just kind of a brief recap then of what we do, what we offer. I think you know most of what we offer, um, but for our listeners out there that may be curious about what the process looks like, so it's either gonna be starting with you referred to us or us referred to you, vice versa, but we're gonna, um, or, or whoever you have in your local area, but starting with a basic um, medical workup, looking for any kind of obvious um, vitamin, mineral deficiencies, hormonal imbalances, endocrine problems, thyroid problems, you know, recent trauma, weight loss. Really a hair loss consult is gonna be longer in our practice than most of our other visits because if you don't address all of those things and, and are kind of thorough with the digging into that, you may miss really kind of the underlying cause. Um, for the aesthetic providers out there listening to the podcast, um, many of you 
uh, may or many of them won't provide all these services, and that's fine if you don't do this all in your practice, refer them back to their primary and have somebody work this up before you just start doing injectable treatment. So you don't have to do all this yourself if that's not your, your field of expertise. But um, you know, you may have the tools to help out once underlying cause is identified. But then, you know, the next step is making sure they're working with, you know, a professional stylist or someone who's gonna tell them a, a high quality uh, shampoo, conditioner, things that they're gonna use daily at home to maintain the health of their hair that they already have and their scalp. And then we will look once underlying causes are addressed at things we can do to maybe speed up the process. So things like PRP to stimulate the follicles to move more into the active growing phase. Um, so with that, we're just drawing the blood, spinning it down, taking out the plasma portion with the growth factors and re-injecting it into the scalp. We can combine that with PDO threads, which is like a dissolvable suture material. And the way that works, we just put a lot of them in the scalp. And as our body dissolves that, it has to increase blood supply to that area. And so it increases nourishment brought to the follicles. So that's the way that mechanism is, is working. Um, there are other things out there like the red light therapies or the caps. Um, that you can get. The results are really variable depending on the quality of the cap, the number of red lights, the consistency of the use using it as it's directed, um, which is kind of a pain really because you got to use it. A lot of the, the home ones you have to use every day for a number of minutes. And those caps are expensive. Yeah, they're expensive. They're, some of them are more than $1,000 per, per cap. So if you get a quality one, and so it's a, it's a, you want to make sure that you know the underlying calls before you go spending $1,000 on a red light cap. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, I don't think that you just mentioned it. Then we talked about it a little earlier were the topicals, and so we we do have um, you know some companies that we work with that we do compounded um, minoxidil combinations, and um, that we've had some really good luck with success with over several several years. Yeah, and there's one, and so the minoxidil is a common one, and for us uh, that is what's found in the over-the-counter Rogaine, but where we found kind of success with the compound is they mix it with a little bit of retin-A and a little bit of steroid. And so the retin-A helps that skin cell turnover. So it helps keep the, the scalp fresh, but it also helps the minoxidil penetrate a little bit um, in, into the, more, the follicle where it's gonna be more effective. And then we also can combine that with finasteride, which is something that blocks the testosterone at the follicle level. So that's the same active ingredient that's found in some of the oral medications. So like Propecia and some of those. Um, work by blocking formation of that DHT. Topically, you may avoid some of the systemic side effects. It may not be quite as good of a result, but you'll avoid some of the systemic side effects. So, um, you know, it's not really appropriate for, for women necessarily that are of childbearing age because it can, if they get pregnant, it can have some pretty um, profound effects on any developing baby because of the way it changes the hormones. So we really don't use it in that group of patients, but for, for select patients and for the ones that are appropriate, we have that as an option also. And then there's some oral supplements. There's some really great supplements out there on the market. So a good prenatal vitamin, a good multivitamin, if you know that you're a vitamin deficient, but there's also some companies, um, I know one that makes a, a great product called Nutrafol, and it's specifically a vitamin just for uh, to support hair growth. Yes. And then we also do the biotin infusions. Yeah, biotin and, and vitamin B infusions really for the for the uh, 
hair growth. Thanks everyone for tuning in for another episode of Beauty in the Brain. As you can see, there are a lot of things that we can talk about. We could have a whole entire, uh, another second or third episode on hair thinning and hair loss and all the different treatment options that are available. This can be something that is uh, profoundly uh, distressing and emotionally draining to patients. So um, if you're out there struggling with any of this, go find a, a, you know, a local professional in your area that can help you because there are solutions that, that we have in the medical practices and that our local partners and uh, hairstylists and uh, professionals in uh, the hair industry can help you find solutions. So thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you again next week. See you soon.